Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Dan, thanks for coming back on the program. And there's one thing I want to ask you, and it relates to an email I received just a few days ago from a small business owner. And the small business owner wrote, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, I was trying to find the email, there's so many I can't right now. Uh, But essentially, he said, I've weathered this storm as best I can. I've sacrificed at home, I've sacrificed with um, my business, I've, I've sacrificed everywhere. But now I'm concerned that a significant percentage of the population over the last year plus, because it was the only option they felt they had, turned to online purchasing and big big box purchasing, big box stores, which were allowed to continue to open while small business was closed, as you and I have talked about. He wrote, he's concerned that it may now have become a pattern for consumers, that they will continue to purchase online and look to big box stores at the expense of the small business community that has worked so hard to survive. Is that a concern you have? It is, and it's uh, it was a concern prior to the pandemic, but but sped up dramatically over the last fourteen months. And look, uh, you know, we're we understand retailers, business people understand that consumer tastes, consumer preferences, consumers' behaviors change over time. Uh, there was already a trend towards more online shopping. Small firms were slow in many respects to do that, and it's very difficult to compete against the big guys at the best of times. But, but you know, we've gotten through the COVID emergency. Uh, there were tons of consumers, my parents included, that, that started to do some of their shopping online, uh, and those trend lines may absolutely continue afterwards. Now, it depends on where you're going online. Certainly, if there's a, sh- a share of that that's going to independence, to small and medium-sized companies, that, that may not change things uh, terribly fundamentally. But we do worry that a lot of bricks-and-mortar retailers, because of government policy, where the small guys were almost entirely shut, the big guys allowed to, to, to stay open, despite COVID cases in the bigger stores, uh, we're worried that, unfortunately, many small businesses may not see their customers return once the pandemic is behind us. Something we haven't done in our conversations, Dan, over the last year plus, or at least I've never asked you to do this, and I'll ask you now, would you be able to provide a profile of who the small business owner is? Who is this person who creates an entrepreneurial reality and becomes a pillar of the community. Who, who are these people? You know, obviously there's no one size fits all uh, uh, spirit here. There are a lot of people that are partic- that are good at doing something. So they might be a skilled tradesperson that then decides to go out on their own and open a business. Some are people that have been locked out of, of the employment market. I think of a ton of new immigrants over Canada's history uh, that have started businesses because they found a more difficult time in accessing the traditional job market. And others are people that just have a great idea or, or really love business itself. 
Um, the average CFIB member, small business owner that happens to belong to my association, tends to have a, between 15 and 20 employees. So they are job, they are certainly job creators, but a growing number of, uh, of, of entrepreneurs happen to be self-employed and people that are just getting fed up with nine to five jobs and, and wanting to strike out on their own, do contract work where they can, uh, do some, some of their own labor, work in partnership with a group of people. So, you know, it's a, uh, incredibly diverse group uh, of, of people. And it's certainly true in terms of the way that they view the world, the way they view public policy issues. We're seeing a, 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 a real change over the last little while, but an exciting one with a lot more young people now looking to, to strike out on their own. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think a lot of young people would probably feel coming out of this COVID situation, and let's hope we do this in in a really significant manner over the months ahead, but they would probably feel that on, an entrepreneurial start may be the best way for them to generate income, I, I would think. So let, let's talk about the reopening for the moment here. And uh, I've asked you to look at, and you always do this for us, at the Western provinces where we broadcast, so Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia. But then there's also Ontario, where we broadcast three radio stations, AM640 in Toronto, 900 CHML in Hamilton, and AM980 in London. So in, in Ontario, the, let's look at the restaurants, for example. 15% capacity, if I have this correctly, is it 15% capacity right now with patios open? But the main dining room, indoor dining, is not going to be available until uh, late in July, from according to an email you sent me, uh, yeah. how to and we've talked to restaurant owners. You've you've gotten restaurant owners who are part of the CFIB to be on the program with you. What's it like for the restaurant owners right now, and are they the canary in the coal mine? Oh, they sure are. I mean, it's not just restaurant owners. Those there have been some that have had even longer shutdowns, uh, like those in events industries that uh, that that don't typically serve food as a huge portion of their business you know, all those amusements and amusement uh, activities, entertainment venues, they have been shut down and will remain shut down for, for weeks and potentially months ahead in Ontario. But, but restaurants absolutely are near the bleeding edge of this. Uh, as you can, if you can imagine in Toronto right now, the indoor dining has been closed for 370 days since the pandemic began. That's, that's the total number of lockdown days. There was a little bit of reopening over the summer and fall of last year. But since the pandemic started in March of 2020, 370 lost days of indoor dining. This weekend, they just got back. In fact, I just came back from a patio restaurant here in Toronto. I had some delicious Persian food in my North York neighborhood. Um, but I can tell you the patios, uh, they, the patios can be served at capacity as long as there's room for physical distancing. Uh, it is retailers that have now been able to open if they're not in a mall to up to 15% okay. of their, of their capacity. And that's, you know, we've got all sorts of mall retailers that right now are, are independent stores in the mall. If they don't have an outside door, they remain locked down only in Ontario, indoor dining, locked down. Essentially, I think Manitoba is the only other province where indoor dining is entirely closed at the moment. But it is tough, tough, tough for these entrepreneurs to hang on. And many have said if they had known that they were going to be closed for as many days as they would, as they were, 
they would have hung on. They would have they would have wrapped up shop. It would have made a lot more sense for them to to shutter their restaurants permanently months ago. But they've been told two more weeks, two more weeks, two more weeks for about fourteen months now. Dan, remind us how many jobs nationally that small business created and creates, and how many Canadians were employed by small business prior to COVID, and what's it going to look like? Let's look at a best-case scenario. I don't know if you've done the sort of the look ahead on this, but what might the best-case scenario look like coming out of COVID compared to what it was like in 2019? Well, look, about six, under normal circumstances, 60% of Canadians, uh, Canadian private sector workers, work in a smaller or medium-sized company, 60%. Uh, other than government, which is Canada's largest block of employees, uh, it, it is private sector, small, medium-sized companies that that both have the vast majority of paid positions, but also create the vast majority of new paid positions on an annual basis. As you know, Roy, we have been estimating at CFIB for some time. We're looking to refresh this data right now. But prior to the third wave, we were forecasting that 180,000 businesses will permanently close their doors before COVID is over. And if that happens, that means that 2.4 million Canadians will not have jobs to return to in these small and medium-sized companies. We're starting to see some signs of this. When you look at the data in the U.S., yes, the economy has come roaring back, but it's not roaring back in the sectors that that were roaring prior to the pandemic. The smaller guys have really, even though the restrictions have been lifted, they have really struggled because of months of of diminished revenues. And, And that's what worries me. It's fantastic that we're finally at a stage where some businesses, not all, but some businesses are able to reopen in most provinces. But, you know, the debt levels that these business owners have taken on, the, you know, the fact that, that customers are coming back in small numbers, either through government policy or for fear of, of consumers coming back in too large numbers uh, because of COVID, lingering COVID concerns, that means that as we move into June, July, and August, many of these companies that have been able to hang on will go bankrupt because they just won't have the staying power to be able to pay their current bills and try to make a dent in the $170,000 worth of COVID-related debt the average small firm has taken on over the last 14 months. An average of $170,000 plus? $170,000. That's the average amount of debt that that small company taken on during COVID. When you, yes, there have been a lot of government support programs, super helpful to many. You, you and I have talked about many of the gaps over the, over the last 14 months, but yeah. I can tell you, even with full utilization of the wage subsidy, the rent subsidy, the CBA loan program, provincial grants like the Ontario Small Business Grant and similar ones in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, elsewhere, that's representing about a third of the losses that small small companies have taken wow. on. So two thirds of this is on the shoulders of the business. Alan in Calgary, Alan, you're a business owner. I am. Yeah. And and what do you what do you what do you sell? What's the what's the trade? I'm in the restaurant business. So I'm kind of insulated, but the comment that I want to make for you, to you, I live in a neighborhood that's 40 years old, and in the last few months, a Costco has opened in that neighborhood, and it is doing, like, land office business. And I wonder how much of the money being spent in that Costco used to go to the myriad 
of small businesses in that neighborhood. And a big gas station, for example, sells five, six million liters a year. And Costco's selling 100,000 liters a day. How many people as operators used to make their living from selling gas that they're not selling anymore? Yeah, the, 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 the independent, thank you uh, for the call, Alan, appreciate it, thank you. The independent gas station is a thing of the past, or the gas station owner is largely a thing of the past. What's your reaction to what uh, Alan said, uh, Dan? Oh, he's absolutely right. Look, it has been increasingly difficult for, for independent businesses to, to stay around uh, in facing competition from some of the big players, some, uh, you know. Even, look, even, a, even, they, in a, even in a neighborhood where... There's been a neighborhood and a continuum for 40 years. It's true. But look, I mean, every people are trying to, under normal circumstances, trying to save a buck. And so if they can go to the big guy and get a little bit less, uh, they're likely to do that. What, but what I've, I've seen during the pandemic does give me some hope, Roy. And that is consumers are a lot more aware of, of what they can do, what they should do with their purchasing power than, than ever before. And so what we've seen is a resurgence among some consumers, conscious consumers, of deliberately going out and trying to patronize some of the local independent businesses in their communities. You know, and all small businesses are asking for is a fair shake. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we at CFIB were so deeply offended when governments like the one here in Ontario put in place pro- uh, policies, as most provinces did during the first wave of the pandemic, that, that really did favor the big guys, you know, allowing Costco and Walmart to remain open mm-hmm. while shuttering the small guys who sell, sell, from selling the same products. That, okay, in the, that's the kind of stuff that's so deeply offended. But if, if another model is going to be successful, we yeah. understand that, that things are changing. But when governments give the big guys a hand up and punish the small guys, that's where we need to step in. And the concern is 2.4 million jobs um, are in some level of distress or danger or potentially could disappear. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.